This is episode number 13 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everybody, welcome on to another episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. Today, we are talking about birth plans and preferences. And of course, this is a big topic of conversation, but we're going to give you some insight into what our birth plans and preferences were for our first births, if we had any, if things went to plan, if things did not go to plan, and how we processed that afterwards. We'll also talk about whether we think birth plans and preferences can be important and helpful to a birth and at what point might they be detrimental to us. So Anita, let us know first, what was your plan going into your birth with your daughter Pippa? Did you have preferences and did it play out similar to your expectations and hopes? My kind of as a summary, I guess my plan was we were planning to have a home birth um, and we did have a home birth. So that part of the plan did go as we had hoped. Um, But saying that, and we'll talk more about when preparing a birth plan, or I like to call birth preferences, um, is we were completely prepared for if a transfer needed to happen. We were well aware and informed of why a transfer would happen. Um, I'd say a big part of my preferences is that I really wanted to be informed of any recommendations uh, that the midwives would give me throughout labor. So if they wanted to say, hey, you know, Anita, it's time to break your water, I wanted to be informed of the pros and cons. So something I go through with my clients is called BRAIN. Um, at the time, I actually hadn't heard of the that acronym. I actually learned about that after. But the idea of asking benefits, risks, alternatives, what does your intuition say? Do you need more time? And so what I went through with my midwives before and my doula is that I just wanted to be informed of the reasons why things were being recommended to me so we could be a part of the process, even if it was something that there wasn't really a choice in the matter if it was going to be an emergency situation. I at least wanted to be informed of why things were happening. So I felt for the most part that happened. Um, Looking back afterwards, and this is like weeks afterwards, I felt like the first six weeks, a bit of a haze with everything going on, um, that when I kind of processed later and having had the midwife chart at six weeks, which they gave to me to pass on to my family doctor, Um, who would continue my care and Pippa's care, Um, things that I kind of started to bring back and and think about certain parts of my labor I felt were a little bit rushed and I'm not, there was no medical reason that I'm aware of or that was in my charts of why certain things were rushed. So those are questions I had, but I didn't feel going back to my midwives at that point was really going to answer that. And I didn't, didn't necessarily feel a strong urge that I needed those answers. It was more that 
to be aware of that going into another birth, things I would ask my, my next group of midwives. So things like I felt like um, there was a point I was in the birth tub and I was totally relaxed. And I remember it was just, I was in my zone and I remember they had me get out and start doing other movements. And I think back of, I'm not really sure why, like I was totally relaxed in my zone. I had practiced hypnobirthing. So I was doing a lot of more the meditation side. Um, and it, everything seemed to be progressing well. So I wasn't sure why that change happened. So things like that, um, which may not, they may not seem like big things in labor, but there are things that I look back on and kind of ask why, why did that happen? Um, so things I'm going to keep in mind if we have another, another baby. So those are things that I kind of look back on, but I did have birth preferences, um, and did go through them with both my midwives and doula. Generally with the midwives, it was around 37 weeks that we really went through the birth part. Um, cause for a home birth, they'll usually come to your home at that time. Uh, and go through things in your home to make sure things are in a good place for when they come for the birth. Um, and my doula, we had gone through stuff even before that point too. So what about you, Jess, in terms of, did you have plan or preferences um, going into your birth with steel? Mm-hmm. It was so similar to everything that you are describing. So we also wanted to have a home birth and that was the plan. And that's what I hoped for. And that's truly what I believed with all my heart was going to happen. I was really open to things going how they needed to go. Or at least that's what I kept telling myself and that's what I kept telling other people. That it would be fine. Whatever happened, if we needed to transfer, it was all good. Um, We, healthy baby, healthy mom, those were really the outcomes that we were hoping for with birth. That being said, I had some strong attachments to wanting the birth to happen at home, wanting to labor at home for as long as possible, even if we did need to go to the hospital. I think in my heart of hearts, I was really just believing so deeply that I could choose how the birth was going to go. And I kept believing that all the way through and up until labor until things started to change really dramatically and I'll talk about that in a second but I think really I had just I had these preferences set that I wanted to birth at home an unmedicated birth I really believed that my body could do that and that I had done the right things in quotations there in order for the birth to look like that so what ended up happening is that I labored at home for quite a long time 30 ish hours and by the time midwives arrived and doula had already been there at that point there was meconium when they checked me so we had to transfer to hospital immediately and once we got to hospital it was only about probably five to six hours after we arrived at hospital that we were in emergency c-section because seals was not handling labor well at that point so her heart rate kept deselling with contractions and we got to a scary point and made the call that c-section was absolutely the best route to go at that point so what i think is so interesting looking back on all of that is that i did have strong preferences i had strong attachments to how i wanted things to go and how i believed that they could go and then they did not go that way and so that took a lot of emotional processing for me after the birth to kind of come to peace with all of it 
Uh, and like you said, looking back on it and looking back at certain chunks of that experience and questioning why and what happened and what were all the things that led to it. Um, so yes, strong preferences, strong attachments. We're going to talk about uh, this a little bit further on, but just how different I feel going into the next one in terms of those attachments specifically. And actually, just to go back, just to um, your birth story a little bit, just in case people listening aren't aware, can you explain about muconium? Just because some people may not be aware of what that is or why that's a reason to be transferred. Yes, so that is when baby has a bowel movement in utero. So that is usually... It can be cause for concern. There can be health risks to baby for that. There can be aspiration for baby from the meconium. So often that is why we want to get to hospital if possible as soon uh, as we can so we can have some additional monitoring in place and then emergency or more medical procedures available to us if need be. Thank you for sharing that, Jess, because I know that was in our circumstance too that if we were aware of that ahead of time, if that was something that would come up. And I think that's a really hard part, how you talked about, you felt like you would have a choice in where Steel was born. And I remember that actually being one of my, I don't know if it was a fear or a concern, or I just, yeah, it was one of those things that I'm like, if that happens, like this home birth is not happening. Like we were well aware and we were, we knew that that was something important to then have that extra medical support around after baby was born in case it was needed. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And um, what would you say, what if anything would you change, whether mindset, preferences, things you would push for differently um, for a subsequent birth? And because you're pregnant, you're, you've had that opportunity now to kind of go there and think about it, even though I know when we've just, discussed on the podcast but also off air um that you don't have set preferences at this point either so if you're comfortable sharing a bit about that jess yes absolutely so so much has changed for me personally since that point two and a half years ago i remember at nine days postpartum from that experience one of my best friends was visiting us at home and I remember sitting down on the couch with her and Randy and tiny baby Steele at that point. And I, we were talking about if we were to have a next baby. Interesting conversation itself because really after that point, I couldn't even talk about it for two years having another baby. But we were talking about if we had another baby, if I had another birth. And I was saying that, yes, absolutely, I would try for a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean, if we were to have another one. And it's so interesting to me to look back on that because it's just not how I feel anymore at all. Um, so what has changed for me coming from that point, early postpartum, thinking that yes, absolutely vaginal birth is what I would attempt next time around, to now being like, I don't know. I'm really not sure what I want the next birth to look like. And it's because... I feel so non-attached to the outcome of this birth for next time. So last time, as I was saying, I kept thinking and I kept telling people, my midwives, doula, Randy, my husband, that it was going to be okay. 
if we needed to go to the hospital and medical interventions needed to take place for health of me or baby. But I don't know if I actually believe that. I really don't know if I actually believe that. And like I was saying, I just believed so deeply that I could birth the way I wanted to, or I could choose how this baby was going to be born. So for me now, thinking about, say, attempting trial of labor, vaginal birth after cesarean for this next birth, I know that that doesn't mean that I'm choosing to have a vaginal birth. It means that I'm choosing a trial of labor, if that's how it might go, but I'm also choosing that another emergency C-section is possible. And that's not how I would have looked at it before. And that is what I need to be at peace with going into this next birth, if that is the choice that I make, uh, or if we choose to have a scheduled C-section. But if I choose to try for a VBAC, then I'm also choosing that an emergency C-section would need to be something that I'm okay with. And that can absolutely be a fine and a great choice. I'm just not sure if that's something that I'm comfortable with at this point. But for me, I think the biggest thing that I have worked on over the last couple of years is really reframing my ideas about birth and what is good and best and successful and for me and for baby and for my physical and my mental and emotional health afterwards. I just believe so deeply for Seal's birth that it was going to be best for me and best for her if I birthed her at home. And that has just shifted a ton for me from that experience. So I think that our experiences shape our perspectives on the next time around. And for me, that has uh, never felt more true than it does right now. So I think, yeah, main things for me, my mindset and how I think about birth and how I think about my own health in this situation has really shifted a ton. What about you? So I would say, and kind of going back to a little bit, what I talked about in the first question is, I think looking back at my experience, I, for the next time around, I would like to speak up more, um, whether during pregnancy, but more so during labor. And it's kind of a, like an odd topic to talk about because I was really happy that I was able to really surrender, be in my zone, like just go with it. There was a point even when I was in the tub and the midwives asked me, are you having contractions? Um, And I was like, yeah, like I was just in the zone. And for anyone who's had a home birth or those who are curious, they are constantly um, monitoring you depending where you are in labor. Um, They monitor you manually. So with... um, won't go into details, but it's not like the electric monitors you have in the hospital, but they have ways of checking um, your vitals and baby's vitals throughout labor. So, I mean, they were checking. I was having contractions. Baby vitals were fine. Mine were fine. And so how we talked about, there were some things that just felt rushed to me. Um, And I know next time around, I would have a doula again. And that would be something really clear with them that their one of their major roles for me is to remind me to ask questions because or ask remind my husband to ask questions because I might totally be in the zone. So it may not be the best time to interrupt where I am in labor, but he can freely speak up on my behalf. Um, 
So then I don't look back and wonder like, why did I, I was in a great place then if there's a reason for me to change what's going on, if I knew why, then I may feel differently about that. So, and cause that can cascade throughout labor, right. In terms of depending where you are. So I would say that's a big thing for me is the informed consent. Um, and the reminders of that needs to go way up. And I'm not saying anything in terms of my past midwives in terms of that there was anything negative necessarily with that. I just didn't ask enough questions is what I felt like looking back. Um, and then it also relates to like um, kind of how labor started. I labored by myself like it kind of first sign of any contractions was about 630 at night. Um, and they felt just like menstrual cramps. And I basically labored all night by myself. I couldn't really go to sleep. I told my husband to go to bed. The next morning, my midwives and doula came. It was around like 9 a.m. And I gave birth at almost midnight. So they were there for a long time. And I look back and again, I feel like my doula and having my husband there, they were really awesome supports. And my midwives were fantastic. And I wanted them to be able to check medically but I think my body felt there were extra eyes on me and we were in a one bedroom condo. So there isn't a lot of place to go. Whereas I feel like now in a house, um, if we have the opportunity to plan a home birth again, there's other place if they need to stay um, for wherever I am in labor. Cause I think they thought it was going to give birth sooner, but I just felt like things might've drawn out a bit. Cause I think my body just felt like, okay, there's a lot of eyes on me. And it, and, and I really truly believe that that happens with labor, that your body will sense what's going on around you. So that would be something I would talk to my midwives again as well in terms of, you know, checking in is great. And I know medically, depending what's going on, they may need to check in more, but if every medically things are well, I'm handling things well, I kind of need to have my space and that's what my body liked last time. And it may like it this time again, that way I need to give it that option. And there were some disruptions. Like I felt like I was in the zone, but then when I had cervical checks totally took me out of my zone and I felt like took time to get back into it, especially when I had a wonderful midwife student who was fantastic during pregnancy um, and birth. But when she checked my cervix, it was, it was extremely painful. Um, and when my midwife checked, cause she would have to check after her, it was no pain. I know that took me out of my zone those times there were checks. So that would, again, be something I would go over with them ahead of time in terms of seeing if there's other ways to check. There's so many different ways to tell where you are dilation-wise. So anyways, these are just things that I've thought about that if we have another birth, um, things I'm going to keep in mind. And so my biggest thing I would say would be speaking up and just knowing when you're in that zone in labor. I don't know if you found that just like there's times where you're just somewhere else mentally. Um, so you may not think to speak up. You're just kind of going based on the guidance around you and not thinking to ask questions, even if you kind of look back and you're like, why didn't I ask a question? But it was because you're in the zone. So you almost need others to remind you to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is the perfect segue into the next topic we wanted to touch in, which is why, why have a birth plan? Are they important? Why have birth preferences? What is the point? And I think that is such a big one is that people are on board with the plan. It's not just you who's having to do all the talking and the question asking and all the remembering when you are laboring or trying to birth this baby out, but that your birth team 
understands what your preferences are and they can take those into considerations while they are monitoring you or being with you. Yeah, I think birth plans or preferences can be a great way to start communication off even before you get into labor. So um, how I was saying, I mean, throughout pregnancy, I was talking about with my midwives at really 37 weeks is where we started to kind of hone in on certain things. Um, but I think that, yeah, definitely communication before, but also during. But I also think as the birthing person, it makes you actually look into topics more because you're actually writing these down and actually telling your care provider you prefer this. So whether you want an epidural, you don't want an epidural, whether you're like, there's no way I want to give birth at home or in our circumstance, like we were planning a home birth, you definitely will, I feel like look into both sides more because you're actually writing this down. So I feel a positive point is it actually will help you research things, ask more questions, learn more. Um, so then the reason you're putting down or the preference you're putting down actually is something you've thought through versus just making a blanket statement of, I'm just going to see how this goes. I'm open to anything. You may not have actually looked into the different options or potential things that may happen in birth that you're not aware of ahead of time. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Jess? And also, like, how did it work for you going through birth preferences? Because you had midwives and you also had a doula. Mm -hmm. What I really loved when we were talking about preferences is that midwives would offer both sides of the story, give all the information on risks and benefits of whatever the topic might be that we were discussing, epidurals, episiotomies, whatever the case might be, and then... I got to reflect on that, think through it, do my own research, and then make a decision or have that preference in the plan on what I hoped for. What I also thought was so interesting when I was thinking about this episode, preparing for it, I put out a call for questions on Instagram, asking people if they had had a birth and if they had preferences or a plan that went along with it. And so many people wrote in saying that they did have preferences and it helped them feel less anxious about the whole situation or all the variables that might come up during labor and birth. So for them, it was a little piece of control and it was just that they knew that these things could come up and how did they feel about it beforehand going in. So it helped them to feel less anxious and just a little bit more calm at the idea of what might I choose if I'm faced with this situation. The other yeah. thing that I've been thinking a lot of in terms of planning a potential scheduled C-section is what preferences might I want in that situation? And for many people who have had scheduled C-sections, my clients, friends, they have said that they wanted to feel like an active participant in that birth. And many of my clients have said this in any situation in which they were giving birth. They wanted to feel like they were an active participant in that experience. So for me, thinking about a scheduled C-section, it feels very different than last time when I had all these preferences set in place, wanted to home birth, wanted to labor at home, all these different things. With a scheduled C-section, it's like there's not as many things that I could have preferences about 
but really there still are many things that are there that I could think about and I could discuss with the birth team. So I think feeling like you are in it and you have a role in it and you are important and your perspective is important in this birth, um, I think that that can be really calming. And so then the flip side is how do we feel in terms of can a birth plan or birth preferences be detrimental? Um, and I think we've touched a little bit on this, Jess, you kind of mentioned this off the start in terms of there are so many ways you can look at a birth plan or birth preferences, kind of what we just talked about in terms of looking at both sides of the coin if something were to happen. Um, but also sometimes a birth plan can steer you in a very solid direction that you're not willing to budge from. And if it doesn't go that way, that that can cause a lot of emotional, mental and physical issues after birth. So I really think, I don't think making birth preferences or plan is detrimental. I almost think it's maybe how you view your own birth plan and preferences that it can go either way. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Jess? Yes. I think that for me, it was detrimental in the sense that I didn't plan for the plan to not work out. I didn't mentally consider what I might feel like if those things didn't happen and if things went really differently until I was faced with the reality of that afterwards. So I didn't plan for the plan to not go the way it was going to go. I just believed so deeply that it was going to work out that way. And of course it would. And yeah, it would be okay if it didn't, but I know that it's going to. That's really how I felt going into it. Um, whereas that experience for me has now shaped what a subsequent birth will look like. And I think that this is what I was hearing from so many people as well who were saying if they felt like their plan was detrimental, it was because their plan did not go as they hoped for. And they were so set and so tied to that plan, not even just the things going a certain way, but their mindset and how they thought about that birth and that plan. And when that didn't pan out, it was difficult to process afterwards. So what if you find yourself not caring about birth preferences? You're totally neutral about it. Is this normal? Is this okay? This is a conversation that I was having with a client recently because they were saying that in their two births, they were really neutral about it. Like they just didn't care. They were hearing lots of moms having these conversations about what they wanted their births to look like. And this person was just like, I, it could, it could do whatever and it would be okay. And I was like, that's so refreshing to hear because that's kind of how I feel this time around. I'm just really neutral about whatever way it might go. I don't have, like last time I was so attached to things being a certain way. And this time I don't know if I'm just trying to detach from it so much that I'm feeling so neutral. Do you find this with your patients ever? Yeah, I well, actually I've noticed lately more of a trend of this happening. And not necessarily with moms having a subsequent birth, but first time moms. And kind of similar to the question before, I honestly feel like it can go either way. 
because sometimes when I see moms not until after the birth, like we never did a pregnancy in terms of pregnancy appointments. Um, and I see them after some of them are, are glad they went in that way because they felt like whatever happened happened, it was going to happen. But there's also the other side that I think if you go in without any education, without actually, you know, doing any research or looking into any options and just going with whatever, you know, is recommended to me, I'm going to go with. And I've had moms come out extremely disappointed and feel that they were not informed of what could happen. So I'm, I, I go either way with this question because I think it's one thing to be educated on the options, whether, you know, doing prenatal courses, but also your own research because every prenatal course um, doesn't necessarily give you all the information or unbiased information. Um, and then if you have all that knowledge and then going into it without necessarily preferences, I think that's a lot different than kind of going into it without having done any education, any research, haven't asked any questions. It, it could go differently potentially that way. So that's the only thing I caution with that. I think it's also different in the situation, in your situation, but also the mom you talked about um, who's had more than one birth that you've, you've had a plan in place and it was a very kind of, you know, one way plan um, things didn't go that way, but you still have all of that education and understanding and completely now understand all the different options and you went through one you weren't expecting. So now going into the next one, that would be different than a first time I'm going in with any, without any knowledge. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Is that, yeah. I completely agree with you on mm -hmm. that. I think that this also potentially ties back into what we were talking about, about being an active participant in your birth and how that can be, that can be really helpful for people during pregnancy, during birth and postpartum as well. Just how we process that experience. And that's why I mentioned for myself, I, I question whether I'm detaching from it too much or if it's actually a positive thing for me this time. So if you're feeling that, of course, it's normal and okay to feel neutral about it. Again, for me, I'm just trying to figure out why do I feel that way this time and if there's uh, more to the layers of that. Yeah, and I think that's key and it's great to bring it. Like, it is very normal to feel that way. And as Jess said, ask why. So if you haven't been through birth before but you're feeling pretty neutral and you're like, I'm just going to go with the flow, why not even ask yourself why? Like, is it because you've heard either all negative or all positive birth stories? So you kind of have something in your head that, okay, this is the way it's going to go anyway. So why bother thinking about anything like another option? I think it's just, it's really important just to ask why. Um, you'll get your answer as you kind of go through that and keep asking yourself that. And then you'll know how to go into birth of what works well for you. So what should you do if you have birth preferences and your birth team is not respecting them or adhering to them during birth? So I think this is something a lot of expecting moms think about who are putting together birth preferences or birth plans. And something that has kind of come up um, commonly throughout this episode is asking questions and getting, you know, informed 
consent for things, which isn't always easy. And it isn't always easy asking your care provider questions. We sometimes feel like, and depending on your personality, you feel like you're questioning authority if you're asking questions, whether in pregnancy or birth. And I always tell clients, it's not, it's not that we're encouraging you to ask questions to question the person. You're just asking questions about the information. So it's very different. It's not a personal um, thing or a personal attack on whoever you're asking. It's you're legitimately wanting to get information about what's being offered to you. And there really shouldn't be an issue with that. There should be information coming back. So, for example, if you find they're not respecting your birth plan, let's say, though, you really wanted to be in the tub, but you also decided you wanted an epidural. Those two things can't go together. So knowing that ahead of time may help you make, you know, may help you make your plan that perhaps you can be in the tub, but then once you want an epidural, you'll already know in advance that's not an option to stay in the tub. So I think things like that um, can be helpful to bring up. And if your birth team isn't on board with your plan, there may be a reason why they're not. Um, And I think it's totally fair to ask questions. And I know some people have decided to change their care provider if they didn't, if they did get answers and they weren't happy with their answers, they actually changed who their care provider was for their birth, which can be hard to do if you're in labor. Um, more so, I've heard that happening during pregnancy. Um, but again, something to keep in mind if you're thinking about preferences ahead of time. What about Jess? What about with you and your clients? What do you end up talking about with this? Mm-hmm. I think everything that you mentioned is so spot on. Another aspect to this conversation, which is something that we would like to have a whole podcast episode on, is the idea of access to health and health care and the disparities that exist for mothers. And specifically, there has been a conversation lately about black women dying at three to four times higher rate than white mothers. So what is happening here? What are all the factors at play that are affecting black women, black mothers during their pregnancies, during labor, during birth, during postpartum? What is the systemic racism that is in place in healthcare when black mothers are trying to access care? It's just such a big conversation that we really need to be having far more of, especially for health professionals that are listening to this episode. It is not as simple all the time as just standing up for yourself and asking more questions. There's so much more at play that I don't feel that I can speak to and we would love to have a black woman, a black femme on here to have this conversation with us to educate us more in this realm. So there's so many layers to this. Everything that you're saying is so key and needs to be said. And then we also need to dive into this and really understand the the systems at place that are keeping people from accessing health and healthcare. Okay, so wrapping up here today on birth plans and birth preferences, I think the most important things really are know that you have options, be informed as to what those options are so you do feel 
as though you have a role to play in this birth and that you are an important piece of this birth process because you absolutely are. Question your attachments and your mindset around birth and what you believe to be best. And the last thing that was so key for me postpartum first time was understanding and believing and trusting that birth is unpredictable and sometimes it absolutely just goes the way it is going to go and that can be okay. On the next episode, I sit down with my husband, Randy, and we talk about our experience adding one baby to our home and our marriage and relationship and the fears that are coming up for us with adding second baby into our lives. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 